Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a very sing-songy episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. We are on episode 96. We are creeping ever closer to the big three digits, and isn't it so very exciting, Janine? Woohoo, very exciting. I can't wait for episode 100. Do we know what we're doing for it yet? Do we, hell? But it's going to be great, because it's episode 100, and it will obviously be great. You can't have a 100th episode of a show and it not be great. It's not allowed. That is is true. That is true. It is true. Today's also epic. It is. Today's also promises promises to be a a great episode because we are today talking about well for one, it is a Sidney Poitier Tony Curtis movie. Oh, I like how you say that Poitier. How do you say his name? That is how you say his name. That is how it's (laughs) pronounced. I don't think I put as much wah on it. <laughs> am, am I overly Frenching it? I just say portier, but you went wah. I, <laughs> I might be overly Frenching it because, well, I studied French. Spoken French, yes, right. Well, I studied French for yeah a while, so I, 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 I what, what, what would you say? You know how you say like you anglic anglicize words. Like, what is it? Like, Frankicize? Frenchy French? I'm just going to call it Frenchy. I've Frenchied that word, (laughs) but that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? That that sounds like you've done some sort of lewd act to it. (laughs) I don't want a Frenchier word. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You Frenchified it? (laughs) Frenchy fried it, yes. We'll stick with Frenchy fried, I think. That's good, though. But yes. Okay. As you can tell by the title, Sidney Poitier is in this movie we're talking about today, which is called The Defiant Ones from 1958. Stanley Kramer directed it, who also did, uh, who also directed Sidney Poitier in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Schmo down there, right, Janine? Yes. Love it. That's right. So that's a nice, good working relationship. Yes. Stanley Kramer, Sidney Poitier. I like it. I Even like though, that. you know, nine years apart, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what, what if anything, they did in between these movies. Um I will have to I will have to look further into into that. But The Defiant Ones, which is a uh, well, primarily a race drama. But not a overly sort of aggressive and depressing one, and it's kind of a it's almost a fun adventure movie at times. Yeah, a, a nice chase story. A chase story. Now, why would it be a chase story, Janine? Uh, because these are two convicts who are chained together on the run. Yeah. So they are being followed and um, looked for by. Police. <laughs> now, um, police. Not just any police, but obviously horrendously redneck racist police. Yes. And isn't that fun in the late 50s? Um, Always. <laughs> isn't it also fun, except the complete opposite, 
to hear the N-word come out of Tony Curtis's mouth. Yes. Didn't like that at all. No. I mean, I like Tony Curtis. I will always like Tony Curtis. I love Tony Curtis in this movie, of course, as always. But I was, take, I was taken aback. I mean, I suppose it's to be expected, but that's a bad thing. But, you know, when you're talking about... When when it's a race Racial drama movies. from the 50s... 50s, yeah, it's going to be spoken quite frequently. Yeah. Um, Just the nature which, of the time. I, I suppose, even though it's a, you know, a bad nature, nobody likes it. <laughs> yes. But ultimately, <laughs> which... this... The, you know, the movie doesn't really... It, it obviously delves into it a lot, and the whole premise of the movie is... You know, it is this is obviously this race drama. People coming together, people seeing mutual, people finding mutual bonds with each other who may not have liked each other. Uh, you know, don't prejudge people, don't be prejudiced, and all that good stuff. We all yeah. obviously love. That's the whole point of the movie. But it's it never sort of well. For one, it doesn't whack you over the head with it, and it's no. also very. It would be easy for it to be far too serious about its own message, but yeah. I like that it still embraces the fun adventure aspects of this story as well. Like, I think if you want a really good, um, a re a really good race drama that's a really drama drama. You can look at something like a To Kill a Mockingbird, which is a real drama drama full of misery and, yes. you know, coming of and age realisation. Yes, yeah. the pain of racial issues and how it kind of affects so many people. Yes, but the Defiant Ones <clears throat> is maybe, you know, you can tell from its title as well, it sounds quite rebellious. And that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's a, it's a 50s rebellious movie about yeah these guys tony curtis and sydney poitier who yeah sure they maybe don't like each other at the start they get into a fight which causes the whole truck to crash <laughs> yes and they end up escaping but uh, you know chained to each other's uh is it to each other's leg or to each other's arm no to each Arms, other's arm to, to arm because yeah there's issues of you know tony curtis seems to be the one always fumbling and bumbling and at, yeah. at a certain point, Sydney is kind of taking care of him and making sure he's okay. And he's always, oh, that's your wrist. And da 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 da. Yeah. But <clears throat> it's ultimately about them just becoming friends and learning to care for one yes. another. And the I really did love the ending. I know we'll obviously get onto the ending in a little bit, but I really did love no, it. So did I. And I think it's just. The the story was basically about these two guys kind of stuck together who didn't like each other on the run. And the race issue is just kind of an added layer to the plot. I feel like it's um an added layer as opposed to like the whole thing. I think that's why it doesn't feel so kind of forced on you. Yeah, quite possibly. Which is, is nice. I also read, and I like this as well, that... Uh, Tony Curtis uh, apparently refused to do this movie unless Sidney Poitier was given the joint top billing. Oh, wow. And it was the okay. first time first time Poitier ever got top billing. Oh, my 
my gosh, so, that's wonderful. I, I love like that. that so much. Um, for me, it was weird seeing Sydney Poitier not be all so sophisticated and well spoken. And <laughs> I know, right? Like, because that's so, all I've ever seen him. <laughs> we're so used to, you know, whether it's in a, uh, guess who's coming to dinner or a, to sir with love. That was that was my introduction uh, to Sydney Poitier growing up. Well, that was the first movie I had ever seen him in. So, or like, you know, I in the heat of, in the heat of the night. Night, just being very well. educated and well spoken and smart and you know, yeah, suited and serious. Always in a suit. <laughs> a little, Potty? a little silly and. <laughs> He's always in a suit. He is always yes. a little silly as well. Yes, he, I mean that comes in this movie as well. He, he gets his when Sidney Poitier starts to grin cheekily. It's always fun. Yeah, because you know, uh, okay, he's being clever. He's being smart. I like this. This is fun. Um, but yeah. yes, you are. We are so used to seeing him, or you know, from at least our, I suppose, admittedly small viewing of Poitiers' movies, just his major yeah. ones, that he is always very distinguished and up, upper class. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so to that's hear him we, kind of speaking broken English and singing these chain gang songs, you know. I did like him singing the chain gang song. It was very unusual singing, but I, you know, kind of historically accurate singing, I suppose, as well. Yes, though. he had some like Hank Williams kind of flares in it. Yeah, <laughs> I um, it wasn't it wasn't quite like Elvis hiccup singing, but it yeah, wasn't too it far bit. away. Yeah. Um, and just, I like how the song came in, like at moments when it was used, and then how it, you know, played into the ending for sure. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah, and it, it was just a. I'm not going to try and sing it now, but it was just a, a chain gang style song, that yeah. you you know what it sounds like because all of those type of songs sound very similar. And it's I think just, the the symbolism of the song, I feel like throughout the whole movie, was basically just like. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I because, do not disagree at all. Like he's he's on this in the beginning. He's on this truck headed to prison or whatever, and he's gonna sing his song. Everyone's like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear your song." He's like, "Fuck it! I'm singing my song." <laughs> yeah, and then to, later on the run, Tony Curtis is annoyed with him. He's singing his song. Fuck it! I'm gonna sing my song, and then in the end, when he says it, when he sings it, it's the yes. ultimate fuck it. Which it is. We will get there. <laughs> it is, and I just I, I did think it was the perfect way of ending this movie. This movie could have ended like really depressingly, and I'm yeah. so thankful that it ended on this really sort of positive kind of we don't care anymore note yes and it could have um, also ended on a very positive like oh okay yeah. it could it could it, it it did find it i you are I right found, it i think did it found the balance. That balance absolutely um but i mean there's not i wouldn't say there's too much of a big story to this movie because it is just um, a a simple police chase of these Two Escaped guys and convicts. How, how they managed to get along, hating each other, kind of dealing with the race issue between them and just being yeah. stuck together um, and forced to have to kind of work together to 
get out of these situations they get themselves in, which is yeah. always kind of a fun um, story point, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a few situations where we see the starting of almost uh, it's it's first like a realization of okay we we kind of need each other right now because we're together yeah. anyway we're chained together we we just gonna have to get over it but then yeah. as it as it goes on it becomes a little bit more like okay i kind of care for this other guy now and yeah what's happened um yeah which is nice it's sort of I, I can't remember exactly what it starts with, but I, I, you know, the sort of um, not inciting incident, but the first sort of big roadblock they come across that is the start of them becoming kind of, or realizing that they kind of need each other. Yeah, I think when they, you know, got stuck in that hole and they got out, and then, you know, he realized oh, his hole. wrist was messed up. And, you know, Sydney's trying to, like, tell him, hey, I'll bandage your wrist, put some of this mud on it to help. And he's like, don't touch me. Yeah. But once he kind of realizes he's just trying to help, I think that kind of is the start of, okay, maybe yeah. we can. And then they have these conversations about, you know, race between the two of them, about how they see white people and whatever. And all of that kind of stuff. And then they're kind of stuck having these conversations and talking about their families and, you know, uh, Tony Curtis talking about how he used to feed the pigs on, you know, in the prison he was at. And then him talking about his wife and his son and all of this stuff. So once they're kind of forced to actually have deeper conversations and get to know each other on a more personal level, I think that also added to the um, connection between them because I mean, you're on the run you're just stuck sitting here might as well have a conversation so yeah i mean there's almost another layer to it i think in the fact that they are prisoners they are convicts yeah because i think you know especially i suppose in the late 50s people judged people on race but people judge people People judge ex-convicts and convicts a lot, I think. Yeah. Regardless of what they've done. Um, I think that still holds true now. I think a lot of people are very prejudiced towards convicts. Yeah. Maybe when, you know, you don't know their full story. Maybe they haven't, you know, a lot of convicts haven't done things that are that serious. Yeah, and but it's just yes, a stigma you, already. Yeah, you just see... Uh, you know, five-year sentence and this guy's been in prison or this person's been in prison, whatever, um, and you prejudge that. The, yeah. Whether, you know... I, th I, I always like... I know, it's a, I know it's maybe a bit of an idealistic way of thinking. I always like to think of the positive in somebody first or I always like to assume that that person is a good person until yeah. they prove me otherwise yeah but that's I, almost liked... like the justice system or how it's supposed to be anyway right I innocent so. until, yeah. proven until proven guilty and guilty <laughs> even though even though a lot of people are very very much in the camp of guilty until proven guilty. innocent yeah. but i liked um, that they made tony curtis kind of a dreamer yes so it wasn't going to be too far-fetched for him to eventually kind of 
let himself drop his prejudice. Yeah. Because he seemed like such an idealistic person, even in his situation. Like, you know, Sidney Poitier is telling him, you know, we might as well. It is, I don't think it matters at this point if they kill us dead, because why would you want to go back to jail? And why would you want to go back to a chain gang for the rest of your life? He's like, it's better than being dead. Yeah. And then when he's talking to the woman that they meet, you know, he's telling her how all these dreams of going to the city and, you know, doing all these things. And so... I like that they made him kind of an idealist and a dreamer and that he still valued life even with everything that he was going through. So I think that's something that that adds to his personality that makes it possible for him to open himself up to somebody he maybe didn't like or, um, you know, has these issues with because he's just kind of an idealist. In in the end, he's kind of an idealistic person. So Yeah, I just like that those conversations were had really. Because, yeah. like I said, it shows, you know, the audience or the, anybody watching, you know, it makes them realize, okay, yeah, it's almost, I mean, I, I don't want to say it like this, but I'm going to say it like this. It's almost like prisoners are people too, <laughs> you know, it's almost like that. It's yeah. almost, it's that sort of, but it is that sort of level of sort of just like, it's what that's what the movie's trying to say. Obviously, it's a yeah. lot smarter about it than doing that. But to add that, to add that layer on, as well as the conversations about race stuff as well, yeah, um, it's just a very, very, uh, it's a very, very positive movie about negative circumstances. Yes, and I think that what a scene that illustrates that really well was um, when they get captured by the townspeople and yes. they're talking about hang, lynching them and all of that. And then yeah. the one man steps up and he's like, you know, he kind of reverse psychologizes them. <laughs> Janine, Janine, it's not just any one man that steps up. It's Lon Chaney Jr. It's Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> that steps up of all wonderful human beings. Yes. So he tells them, you know, this is ridiculous. Are you really going to lynch these people and hang them? And, you know, he puts the flame in their face and says, here, here, take this. Are you going to do it? Here, tie the rope. Are you going to hang them? Like these dumb townspeople, just, it's just their prejudice, mostly yeah. because of, and there are some great scenes that illustrate, like, they're both criminals. They're both tied together. But for whatever reason, Tony Curtis is like, oh my gosh, he's white. And then the little boy, he like hides behind Tony Curtis. <laughs> yeah. Because he's scared of Sidney Poitier. Like, but yeah, it's just kind of these people really quick to, you know, take these people's lives away without kind of really even seeing them as people. And so That's what I'm saying. Jr., he kind of opens their eyes to these are human beings. Do you really think you can do this and kill them yeah. in such a horrific way? Like, really? So that's a great scene to kind of illustrate that they're not saying. seen as people. They're not seen as people, particularly Sidney Poitier. They're not seen mm -hmm. as people. They yeah. just see these chains and automatically like, okay, we need to, you know, not even to call the authorities to come. We're just like, okay, no, we're going to. We're just going <laughs> to deal with them. ourselves in the most horrendous <laughs> yeah. way possible. Yes, exactly. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of those good conversations we talked about uh, came during their capture with the with those townspeople and when they were tied yeah. up in that barn was it a barn yeah. i want to say it was a barn yeah um 
there was some really good conversations between the two of them in that sequence. And then, of course, yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. comes back. Lon Chaney Jr., who's looking a little bit old at this yes. point. <laughs> um, but this is like, this is still like four, five, five years before he was in The Haunted Palace with Vincent Price. Yeah. Um, which I also love Lon Chaney Jr. in. Lon Chaney Jr. is just great, yes. Um, I love that I saw him on the cast list for this movie, though. Yeah, Going through the surprised. cast list. Oh, it's like, oh, okay, Tony Curtis, Sidney Poitier, okay, okay. Lon Chaney Jr. in Junior, this movie. What? We're watching this. Yeah. We're watching this. This is what we're watching. Um, I was very excited about that. And I enjoy the fact that he, he was... You know, the one who he, helped he, he wasn't escape. one of the evil people. Yes, but the I, and then he holds up his wrist, so he he was you know also he can relate to them. So. Yes, yeah, definitely because he he knows the you know we we see in that little moment that he has been in that situation himself. Yes, and you know it's it's got nothing to do with it's you know it's got nothing to do with race at that point. That yeah, it's got you know. It's just the, the, fact the relation that of yeah, criminal form yeah, and I um, I like when the cops come finally to that town and he kind of defends you know covers up for them and yeah, I like <laughs> I just liked how the women were like, well, we don't know what happened because <laughs> we were sent away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love how that one lady is like, <laughs> they're questioning her and she's like, well, I don't know. The men sent us away. <laughs> Why? Why don't you ask them? <laughs> like, I just love that sassy lady. <laughs> because when they were planning on lynching, they sent all the women and children away. They did. So they could do their evil deed. So yeah, I just had to mention that I loved that sassy lady talking about how, well, we don't know what happened. Well, why don't you know what happened? Because they sent us away. <laughs> Well, why? Why don't you ask them? <laughs> so much venom in her voice, like these men folks sent us away. <laughs> yeah. So See, I did, I did just like to add, just moment. to add on the, the fact that these are kind of terrible people. That yes. we, we like that. That that woman being the only other good towns person apart from Lon Chaney Jr. Yes, I do also like the running gag of the dogs guy with his <laughs> with his music. <laughs> Always playing his music. <laughs> The and them having to tell him his music. <laughs> He's always playing his music while they're talking, and then they have to tell him to shut his music off. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? yes, 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 yes. That happened I like remember. three or four different times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the police you're talking about. Yes. yes. <laughs> the police true. are trying to Look. talk about the case and share information. This guy's just standing there with all his radio blaring, and they just look at him like, Could turn you the shut radio that music off. <laughs> And then another time they just kind of look at his, he's like behind a tree playing it and they just look in his direction and he just turns it off. <laughs> <laughs> look, I do like, I do like that the police are played very stupidly yeah. in this movie because, you know, that's, it, it, that's exactly what this movie's going for. I think it, it portrays its message in such a, a f a, almost a fun way for such a serious real life message that obviously still holds true now you know it's not sadly this message is not a dated message it's still relevant 
yeah. it's just played the fact that it's played in such a fun way i always always think that is a huge testament to everyone involved when you can have such a message like this and be a little bit funny about it yeah. and be a little bit light about it at times but really you know yes you're ramming home the message but you are not beating people over the head with it i mean look at you know what jojo rabbit did with a very similar t sort of thing a comedy yeah. about that sub about nazis <laughs> and that subject is not yeah. an easy thing to do so it's a testament yeah. to those you know involved that it was able to uh to work properly yes and i like that um but once they uh once they leave the town full of terrible other rednecks there's several <laughs> sections of rednecks in this movie i don't know where yes. it's set actually does it ever say where it's set no i don't think so i mean you've got to assume the general area of the southeast yes um but i don't know actually um yeah uh i was just thinking now of the uh the little boy yes who like you said before hides behind tony curtis tony curtis who is chained fear. to sydney Fontier. they're obviously yes. both criminals yes but the white man is safe so let's hide behind him i mean yes we get what the movie's trying to say yes the movie says it very well how dare anybody even think about being scared of Sidney Poitier? I mean, my God, he's like the friendliest human being. Yes. <laughs> but that's and the I, point of I, the movie, so we, yes. we, we look past of what we might think. <laughs> um, yeah. So that leads them to this lady who... Is also a bit of a dreamer herself. <laughs> she is. I, I, this is. It's the. I think it's. It's. It's kind of like the. Slowest part of the movie, but that's a not a negative thing. It's just kind of. It takes a bit of a. It takes a bit of time. This whole situation because, I think it's, arguably the most important, or one of the most, important story situations in this whole movie. Does the train the train comes after this doesn't it yes yeah so at this point like this is the most important part because at this point now they are no longer chained together they are no longer stuck no. together no because so in you this... kind of have to figure out what's going to happen here like are they going to just part ways are they going to try to stick it out because now they've built this kind of relationship of trust in having to work together um what do they do now that they have the opportunity to separate so yeah. even when they get to the woman's house and they kind of force her to help them um sydney poitier his character's asleep and the lady's talking to him and he like keeps checking in like is cullen okay like you know so i like that he, yeah. you obviously saw he cared like the women's trying to like just make it between the two of them and he keeps checking in to see what's going on with sydney yeah. poitier's character I mean, what what is another, to be honest, another interesting thing about this movie is that we don't really know these guys' names all that well. 
Um, I think he's Colin. Sidney Poitier is Colin. I don't know if they okay. ever said his first name. And then he calls uh, Tony Curtis Joker. And then he tells the woman his name is Johnny. Yes, that's true. I was just thinking because like Sidney Poitier hardly ever gets um, referenced by name. It's just always some sort of derogatory thing that people are throwing at him. Yeah, I think he calls him Colin a couple of times. So. Okay. Noah Cullen and John okay. Joker Jackson. Okay. Um, but ultimately, that plays into this whole situation with this this woman as well. Because this woman is the mother of this child they came across. And this child kind of is kind of pointing a gun at them, which is a little unusual. Uh, but, you know, 50s. <laughs> Um, that sort of thing happened and it's all like oh where's your dad it's like oh my dad's not around anymore you know so yeah so it's questioned down here (laughs) yes it's questioned why um this child is out on his own with a gun basically which is it's a fair question that is posed um but yeah takes takes them back to his house where his mother is and uh, she and Tony Curtis uh, hit it off, shall we say. Yes, because she's desperate for a man and attention and a way out because she's kind of stuck here in this little town and she doesn't, she's not happy. And so she sees, ooh, a man. <laughs> <laughs> what one, a shiny one man. man. <laughs> ooh, a shiny white man. Ooh, he could get me out of here. Yeah, it's basically and, just saying, screw Sidney Poitier, he can leave. <laughs> yes. And so, but I mean, he still shows concern for Sidney Poitier. Yes, um, he does. He does. And, uh, the, the, it's, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think she plays into his idealistic dreamer type of nature because she yes. also has dreams of escape as well. And yeah. she feels like maybe she's in her own kind of prison. So I feel like she kind of gets to him on that level and kind of manipulates him in that way for her own kind of selfish reasons. She doesn't even like call attention to the fact that she doesn't even know his name or anything about him. She is just kind of desperate for this attention. Yeah, like you said, she's desperate for a way out, much like Tony Curtis. Well, and, and Poitier are, but yeah. certainly Tony Curtis, as we've, you know, gone over the fact that he is this idealistic dreamer type character. And yes. and so he, and so is she that it, it does for this sort of day long period <laughs> um, or however long but it's supposed to be. I don't know. It's unclear. I think it's pretty much a day. But yeah. yeah, I think that's what she kind of gets to him at. And he ultimately is kind of believing her and kind of going with her thought process for a minute until he kind of steps back and realizes this lady don't know shit about me (laughs) well it's yeah and that's you know that's ultimately as well when he learns that Cine Poitier is left and yes she's not she isn't telling him where he's gone or she doesn't know where he's gone basically yeah. and Tony Curtis is concerned for Sidney Poitier um, and yeah all 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 her fancy talk I don't think she actually has a name either 
in this no, movie. It's a very unusual. Nobody has a name in this movie. Boys, boys' mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Billy, Billy's mother is Billy's her. mother. There you go. Yes. Um, but you know, all her talk about oh, I've got a car in the garage, and we're gonna go far away and live and our yeah, lives. Yeah, you don't need him because yeah. you'll be better off without him because they're looking for two men, a white and a yeah. black. They're not looking for a man and a woman. We can just pose as husband and wife. And exactly. He's like really kind of like, you know, he fights it a little bit like, oh, what about Colin? Da, 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 da. And then yeah. she keeps talking and feeding him these ideas. <clears throat> and then she peppers in there, well, Colin will be okay. He'll figure it out. Da, da, da. He might be better off without you because they're looking for two men. And if he's yeah. on his own, that like she's trying to like you know, just for her own kind of benefit. And then for a split second, he's kind of like, okay, go pack your stuff. And then Colin's right there hearing the whole conversation. Yes. Which, by the way, was a wonderful shot. I don't know if you noticed. Yes, it's just reflection in the car window in between the two of them. And they're still talking, not even realizing he's there. That reflection is not easily seen. It's in the middle of the frame. But it's not easily seen, and it's there for a good thirty good seconds while before, before they, they realize, yeah. and he hears a good chunk of what they're saying. Like yeah. I think that is so much more effective than them saying a bunch of stuff and then panning, and then oh my gosh, he's there. Yes, I like definitely. that he's looming on this conversation. He's stewing on it, you know, this whole time, and them not even realizing. I love that. I love that. Applause to directors and yes. cinematographers. I like that there. we. Yeah, I like that we know he's there before they know he's there. I like, Definitely. I like that very much. Um, yeah, and then ultimately, yes, Tony Curtis uh, gonna go on this journey, get away from everything. Yes, okay, all looks good. Cine Poitier leaves, but we don't know where he's gone. And then yeah. right as they're sort of about to leave, Tony Curtis is wondering where he's gone and wondering if he's okay and yeah kind of the fact that he doesn't know sets him off yeah and realize this dumb lady is crazy she doesn't even know my name and she's over here trying to run off with me yes she seems like she's totally doing this for herself and selfish reasons and i i can't you know yeah um and i really like that scene because that's the that's the first moment of them or that's the first moment where we realize that they begin to really care for care each other. Care about each other, yeah. Rather than just like we have to deal with each other. Deal with each other because they're this not is... they're no longer chained. They're separated, but yet this yeah. bond has been formed now and there's yes. no kind of going back. Yeah. He has really an opportunity like to get he has an opportunity to get away and be safe and have a new life and whatever. This lady's willing to give her savings and her car and move yes. to the city, which was something he dreamed about and all of this stuff. But all he can think about is his new friend that he's like, oh, you know, I've been through the shit with this guy. I need to know that he's okay. That's my only one concern right now. So yeah, yeah he has his opportunity to get away. He goes, he finds Cullen. Cullen kind of of course gives him some shit. Oh, what I mean, do you want to find me for? Yeah, <laughs> because I'm sure made, he feels hurt. You know? It's made even worse by the fact that doesn't wait a minute. Doesn't she know that he's like gone into this sort of swampy marshland? I think that's so, just yeah. like impossible to traverse. Yeah. So it's kind of like, wait a minute, what if you sent him in there for? He'll get caught. He'll get lynched or killed yeah. or whatever. 
He's like, yeah. I don't want this for my new friend that I've been yes. through all this with. Um, so that kind of, you know, gets gets him angry as well. Um, yes. So he leaves her and all that business. Um, goes after him, finds, like you said. Finds, finds Colin, him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they have a they have a a little sort of, um, they have a little conversation with. They have a little conversation with each other. That I'm sorry, I'm struggling to get my words out today. Oh yeah. Oh no. But as he's leaving, the son shoots him. Well, that is true. So yes. Now, so now he's even more kind of weakened. Yes. Um, that's true. Sorry, I, I'm all over the place today. I can't think <laughs> what's going on. He does get shot in the shoulder. Yes. When yeah, the son shoots him with that gun that we saw him carrying before because he and his mother are having the argument and whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah. Tony Curtis runs out, gets shot, oh God, stumbles and all this business, but ends up getting out and it's, you know, fine. Yes, and when he finds Colin, I like that moment where, you know, first he kind of gives him a little bit shit. Oh, you know. Yes. But then he sees that he's hurt and he's like, you know, Colin's like, come on, come on, let's go. I got you. And he and Tony Curtis is kind of like, no, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. He's like, come on, I got you. And so I loved that was like, OK, that's all that needs to be. Yeah. He sees he's hurt. He's going to take care of him. He's going to take him with him. Tony Curtis is trying to be, you know, kind of paying his penance to himself, you know, martyring himself like, no, I'm not going to make it. Just leave me here. Just leave me here. Yes. You know, but Colin's not going to leave him. So he no. you know, takes him along and. You know, that's yeah. that's made even more obvious when Sidney Poitier has his big chance to get away. I can get mm. yes, big I can get away here moment. Yes. When a train comes, comes and they by. sort of jump on it, you know, just yeah, like so hitching Sydney a ride jumps, on a train. Yeah. Jumps on the train, this could be their getaway, and Tony Curtis is running behind. Yeah. And he reaches for his hand, but, you know, he's already weakened. His wrist yeah. has already been, like, pulled and hurt this whole movie. Yeah. And, and now he, he's uh, shot in the shoulder. Yes. So he's trying to run, trying to get his hand. And so I love the whole suspense and tension of that moment. Oh, my gosh, is he going to get his hand? He, he, you know, he can't, you know, is he going to leave? Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? So Sydney could have perfectly just stayed on the train and left him. Absolutely. But, and he grabs his hand. So you think, oh, my gosh, yes, they're going to do this. They're going to get away. But then he just can't do it he loses his grip so sydney jumps off the train yeah he, he doesn't leave him and then they're ultimately just sitting in the field and he's holding him and you know they share a cigarette he's singing his song they yeah. hear the dogs coming like tony curtis is like are those the dogs and like colin just like doesn't even want to address that because he's just like yeah. don't worry about it man yeah, we're not we're not bothered about that anymore. Yes, we've and been then through, he proceeds. <laughs> we've been through so too much. much. Yes, we've been through too much to be bothered about how Anything. this is going to end at the minute. Um, and then the, you hear you know, he starts the, to sing his "fuck it" song. <laughs> yes, he does. The ultimate, They've, like, oh gosh, just fuck it. We're here. Yeah, we're gonna get caught. We and tried it, our best. And, and it, it and it and it really is because you know, like you've said, they they've fallen down this hill next to the train track, yeah. and are just sat sort of holding each other yeah. in this field when they hear them yeah. and the poli and the main police guy who we've been following for the whole movie as well, 
um, has caught up to them. It's caught up to them and and walks over with his with his Gone you know out. pistol out. Um, now obviously I didn't know how this was going to end. You know yes. this could have ended any this could have ended any way, but the fact it literally ends with Sidney Poitier throwing his arms up and singing his song, with, singing his song with a smile on his face, and. I mean, the, right, okay, the last line of the movie is sewing machine, but that's part of the song. It's yes. just the it's the way it's said that is yes. such a, such a good ending of this movie. And even the cop, he, like, is like, these guys are no threat. They're winded, yeah. they're done. So he puts his gun away and just, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's not bothered anymore. That's not, it, you know... At the start, we're thinking, okay, yeah, this is about them escaping. It's never. It was never about them escaping. It was. It was about them finding, forming this bond. Exactly, finding common ground. Yes. And uh, I love. I love that message. I mean, yeah. So we could have had the super uber terrible ending where they part ways and one of them gets away on their own. One of them gets on the where, you know, okay, fine. You could have got the really gruesome ending where, yeah, you know, they killed. get caught and killed and shot up or whatever. Or you could have gotten the, where they both get on the train and get away. Yeah. Super happy, perfect ending. But I like that this was kind of a balance between all of those kinds of ideas of basically them forming a bond was the most important thing to both of it's, them in the end so i think it's just another way of showing how clever this movie is yes the fact that it ends like that and you've got to think as well this is 1958 when this movie is coming out this is again a very very bold movie for 1958 yes. um so we've got to give it even more credit to that if this movie yes. came out today in this form you know in this very format and I know we've got a little bit of a deja vu <laughs> this week. Um, how how um, accurate this remake is, we, we will get into. But you know, if an you know an, an exact remake of the Defiant Ones came out today, or even if this story came out today, it would still feel relevant. And yes. the fact that it came out in 1958, now this is before really the height of any US civil rights movement, that's Stuff, obviously yeah. the whole 60s, this is really this is really the time of segregation and... Yes, and like high racism and... High, high racism. Discrimination and, yeah. Um, so the fact, I mean, the fact that the movie got... That this story was able to be told exactly. so well, great. So, you know, yeah. and like we, like we said before, Tony Curtis insisting Poitier got joint top billing as top well. Top billing, yes. Because, you know, I love now, late 50s is pretty high for Tony Curtis. I can tell yeah. you that. The late 50s is really high for, in Tony Curtis's career. We think of Poitier being, well, I think of Poitier being the king of 1967. Yeah. Um, Which is obviously a, a little bit later, but... Yeah, I really, I just, I just, I, I like it. Mind you, when was when was Poitiers' win for Lilies of the Field? I don't know. I can't pull that off the top of my head. I will have a look. 
because that I don't th I think that might have been in the late fifties. Lilies of, oh no, Lilies of the Field was nineteen sixty three, so he still had a okay. little bit of time. Still in the sixties, yeah. Before he won his his Oscar. Um, and yeah, I should recognise that obviously by the fact that we I've said that this was his first top billing. Um, that would be what give it away if I actually had any thought in my brain, but I do not. <laughs> so I didn't recognize that. I apologize. Well, <laughs> you do not need any thought in your brain to talk about our deja vu. <laughs> do you know what, Janine? That is exactly true. Because for as wonderful as the Defiant Ones uh, 1958 was, in every way, I loved, loved, loved watching that movie. It was such a great movie. Um, like I said, just, I love it from a, a behind-the-scenes standpoint as well. From a cultural standpoint, I love it as well. Not just as a movie, but as yes, a... like what it was tackling in the time yeah. period that it tackled it. It's just... Um, I always love I always love looking at stuff like that. Yes. I always love looking at stuff like that. But uh, certainly the um the movie with a stupid title Fled Fled. Yeah. Not not yes. Flee or The Defiant Ones remake. And it's even used terribly. Like I it think is. it's supposed to be like a fun repetitive line that Lawrence Fishburne says in the movie like let's get fled or let's go get go get fled like what let's... what that is not even the proper tense yeah. of the word in that sentence now go this get fled. this this loose remake if we're calling it a remake because i suppose it is it has yes the same elements at least to start off with um came out in 1996 okay well yes let's do the do the do the song come on come on don't, the don't song the deja vu song oh, the deja, deja vu, vu song in it i am <laughs> i must be in some sort of unusual <laughs> mindset today i am forgetting all sorts of things deja it's, it's been a while vu, deja vu deja vu deja vu yay there you go okay There's all the right deja so yes for everybody's um, listening pleasure <laughs> So yes, fled loose loose remake of the Defiant Ones with um Stephen Baldwin. Yeah. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne. And Lawrence Fishburne 1996 um yes. with perhaps one of the stupidest posters I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, so like 90s on your computer in like junior <laughs> high design so generic 90s action movie. Ooh, um, yes. And directed by Kevin Hooks. Who Kevin Hooks, yeah. Directed. Who, um, a I know he directed quite of. a few of Prison Break, the TV show. Yes. He directed he quite a bit of directed, that. He directed a couple episodes of This Is Us. That show is okay. very popular. And Preacher, which is also very popular. Okay. Show. Well, lots of TV direction. Um he directed um the uh, Passenger 57, a very popular action movie with Wesley with, Snipes. With Wesley Snipes, yes. Um, that movie well, where he says, always bet on black. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless of Kevin Hooks' competent directing uh, of television efforts, <laughs> fled Ooh. from 1996 
starts off in the most bizarre way I've ever seen a movie start off in oh my, my life. Oh my gosh. Them like questioning somebody and like just crazy camera shots and asking all these crazy questions and like uh, like close-ups of the person's face and these back and forth and it's so just janky and crazy and like what is happening? Who are these people? Why do I care? Oh my God. It's just, I, I don't understand the way this movie was made. I, tr- I don't understand what was going on in these people's minds. Why? It, it looks like this camera is on like some sort of really focusing... It looks like the camera is on cocaine yeah, in that opening scene. Crazy. It really, really does. It's I don't know what's going on. And it's got they this weird subplot either. to it. They do not explain a single thing in this movie. And it's only for like the first half an hour that it's actually anything to do with the Defiant Ones. Because, yes, Lawrence Fishburne and Stephen Baldwin, white guy, black guy, tied together, chained together, um, escape their prison area. Oh, yeah. they, they're, they're almost actually on a chain gang. Yes, and there's a third random guy who, like, causes this whole shootout, kills all the cops, Yes, and that's what causes them to run. Because and then that guy is not any, he's like a wannabe Cyrus the Virus, John Malkovich from Con Air exactly. like guy who runs off and then proceeds to get shot and killed within the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes. Well, and then, okay, what was the point of this guy? And why did we need to see his him running off? And what? why did we need to see him get shot and captured? Why do we even care? I don't know. No. And then Stephen Baldwin making movie references the whole movie i'm like you've been in prison what movies have you gotten to see (laughs) look i i yeah i didn't get that either i don't i don't know how much time or or how much time can be devoted to to talking about this movie because i think any time devoted to talking about this movie is giving it way too much credit Yes, um, it's just I don't I don't know I don't know look, this movie was so disjointed and made no sense and so exposition did. heavy and terrible performances and it was just oh, oh it's uh, it I says it right it says it right there that you've just said this movie was so exposition heavy but nothing made sense which right? is very very accurate which is very accurate and that statement in itself doesn't make sense but that's how little sense this movie makes. To, yes, we're calling it a loose remake of the Defiant Ones because the first half an hour is basically it's a black the man first... and a white man chained together, and that's yeah. it. That's it. That's the only thing that relates back to the yeah, Defiant and there's, Ones. Look, there's a couple of little trying to throw a, a, a race element into it, but they don't work either. Um, no. It's it's not this fun adventure drama movie that the Defiant Ones is. And it's not um, even a fun, silly '90s action like a Con Air no. or a Face Off. It's like, no. you know, in it the just 90s, makes no sense. In the '90s, you've got your legitimate good action movies, you know, like a a Point Break or a, a Speed or a, um, a The Rock with Michael Bay, yes. The Rock, or a Bad Boys or something like that. Legitimate or good action movies. Die Hard with a Vengeance. You've got your stupid action movies that are just great, like Face Off and Con Air and things like that. And then you've got yes. this that's just bad. 
I'm sorry, yes. I don't like to talk this way about movies a lot, but this is just, it was nonsensical. And it wasn't even, like, fun, silly to watch. It was just like, what is happening? Why do I care? What is all this added shit about a computer desk? Why are we seeing all these boobies in the strip club? What is the point? Oh, my <laughs> Very true. I had, that literally came out of nowhere, the amount of weird edits to weird, unnecessary things in this movie yes. is Ugh. ridiculous. And just remember, this movie is called Fled, and throughout the movie, Lawrence Fishburne, like Janine, like you said before, Lawrence Fishburne constantly let's says, "Let's get fled. Let's get let's, fled. Let's let's get fled or let's fled." Not <laughs> neither of which is correct grammar. It would be flee for one, like let's yeah. flee. That's what you say. But he just keeps saying that, and then Stephen Baldwin. And now I don't know where Stephen Baldwin ranks on your list of best Baldwin. To be fair, probably two or three. I think that's fair. Okay. He's probably yeah. second or third best Baldwin. Um, maybe third best Baldwin behind, for me, Alec and Adam. Okay. Um, but he is making these ridiculous, unnecessary movie references throughout the home. Did you not see The Godfather when Michael goes into the bathroom to get the gun? And comes back and shoots them when somebody leaves the room in the movie. Yes, and then when they're running sense. through the sewer, didn't you ever see The Fugitive, Tommy Lee Jones? He, duh, 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 duh. Oh my gosh. And then at the end, they have to do it. They had to do it. Haven't you ever seen What's Love Got to Do With It? Because it's Lawrence Fishburne. What? The part with the shoe and the, oh my God. Oh, really? Oh, my Somehow gosh, I think Lawrence not... Fishburne has seen What's Love Got to Do With It. Probably. Yeah, I think he might I would imagine seen. so. Um, Oy vey, this was just... <laughs> the only saving grace of this movie. And I thought there was another one. Halfway through, I thought, well, okay, this movie's bizarre, it's a bit nonsense, but I tell you what, it's consistently intense as an action yes. movie. And I've got to give it credit. No, I've got to give it credit for that. But that was halfway through. Once I saw the second half of the movie, that didn't exist anymore. That opinion <laughs> went away. The only yes. good thing about this movie is the fact that Salma Hayek is Salma in it. Hayek. Yes, she was kind of supposed to be the lady with the kid. In yes, the she was original one. I think I think that was her whole thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so when well, she was there, it just it was deviates nice. from. It just completely deviates from anything to do with the Defiant Ones 45 yes. minutes in. And there's so many weird, random twists that, like, what is happening? Like, it's, Lawrence Fishburne ends up Cuban being a mafia. cop undercover, and yeah, and some computer disc they need to find because it has all their information, and Stephen Baldwin is some crazy hacker, and that's why he's in prison, and all these side deals that people are making side deals and betrayals of the deals, and... <laughs> yeah who is what and oh my gosh it's just too much <laughs> it is it's too much i have no idea it was a terrible movie don't watch fled from 1996 it was, i think it was Janine. like okay well <laughs> this is the the first the original movie had these race issues to go through and deal with we don't have that really anymore in 1996 so let's just throw in terrible shootouts and terrible i think that's what they were thinking terrible th action and <laughs> that's exactly what they were thinking and you know look 
I like I like a nice slow mo shootout scene as good as the next person, or as much as the next person. But you know, put it in a movie where something like that belongs in it, and yeah. put it with a consistent tone, like a face off or a Conair. This is why we love yeah. the nonsense of face off and Conair because they're consistent. Yes. This one I thought had that consistency, but then it just didn't, and it. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words with this movie. This is a serious case of we watched this movie, so you do not have to watch this movie. Yeah, so never watch Fled with Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Stephen Baldwin. I will say just this. Watch the Defiant Ones. Absolutely. Just watch the Defiant Ones, Tony Curtis, Sidney Poitier, 1958. Do not watch this movie. I will say that... Lawrence Fishburne, mid-90s Lawrence Fishburne, is a handsome man. Very handsome. Yes, very, very handsome. Um, but that is, that is again, about it for the positives Yes. that I have. I mean, I think this is probably our biggest fail of a deja vu. Usually our deja vus, we tend to lean towards enjoying the original. Um, but we find <laughs> a lot to like about the remake, and we appreciate the added kind of padding to lengthen the story can... or kind of delve into the characters more and all of that. We always find things to like about the deja vu usually, but this one was just, oh my. <laughs> no, and I think, and I think because it was the loosest remake we've probably done I think for deja so, vu, yeah. to be honest. Everything's um, kind of been shot for shot, super connective plot points that are basically pulled right from the original yeah. normally but Apart this one is just like <laughs> from i can think of another one that we did which was the house on haunted hill remake oh yes that which was, was that was craziness. at least that was <laughs> at least that was kind of silly it watch. was it look it was silly it was fun and yes it had some coolish elements in there yeah i mean we found some good like horror shots that we liked yes and basically like I would rather watch the House on a Haunted Hill remake three million times before I ever watch Fled with Stephen Baldwin and <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne again. <laughs> Basically, it's not going to happen. This is the one and only time I will ever watch this movie. Yes. Good Lord. I want you to flee no. while watching I want, Fled. <laughs> I did want to flee while watching Fled. You're quite right. Oh, what a... I mean, what a what a nonsense! <laughs> oh, I I just I can't I I have no words I have no words I have so many positive things to say about the defiant ones <laughs> and utter speechlessness about its loose remake. Yes, so hopefully for the next one, I do have some deja vu's planned for a future episodes. So hopefully we fare better the next go around. Oh, please, please, for the love of God, <laughs> it can't be. It can't. It can't actually get any worse, can it? Can it? I don't think. I don't think so. Or maybe not worse, but stupider. It can't get stupider than this movie. I, I didn't I, I just I do I, I don't know you see you see you see what you've done to me yes, you see what you've done I've to done me I've to lost myself. the plot this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh for god's sake all we can say though is go and watch the defiant ones because it's great yes. wonderful movie such a fan um yes 
There we go. Do we have anything else to say, Janine? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I know. Um, I know that today actually we're 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 doing. Oh well, it's our Patreon shout out day. It is. Which is always fun. Um, I don't know if we have anything else to say before that, <laughs> because my brain is all over the place today. I really don't know, but I'm sure we'll get on to something else anyway. Let's do the Patreon shout out. Should we do the Patreon shout outs? We I appreciate. Should, we should. I haven't been the smoothest of uh, segues <laughs> today, but it's okay. Patreon Your brain shout outs. Has fled. <laughs> My brain has fled. Truly, um, <laughs> Patreon. Go and support. Go and support the uh, show on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. We have a whole bunch of tiers from a dollar all the way to twenty dollars. And um, that's a month, or you know, however often you want. I guess is also <laughs> a, the way Patreon works. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole bunch of perks you get on there. It's all fun stuff, bonus stuff. Uh, a certain tier for for the shows that we do. You get bonus content. You get videos from us. You get art stuff and stuff I'm doing with my football things and all that business. It's all fun. And, uh, yeah, basically, the most basic gets your shout-outs on every week. On either this show or Morgan hasn't seen whatever Janine... If Janine is on uh, It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, that week, it will be on the main show, like this week. If she isn't, then we'll do it over and Morgan hasn't seen. And that's how yep. it's going to work. So, Patreon shout-outs. Let's go to start us off. We have... Adam Collins. Thank you, Adam. And then we also have Billy Pollahan. Yay, Billy. We love Billy. Billy's great. We also have Brandon Hanna. Woohoo. And we have our number one boo, Carla Feast. Carla, Carla. Carla, you you might like Fled with Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> I don't think Lawrence so. Fishburne. Although I don't think you will because you actually have sense. Um, we also <laughs> have the wonderful Delicia Renee. Hey, Delicia. And we also have Eric Garcia. Thank you, Eric Garcia. Yes, <laughs> love it. We uh, we have GG, who we just have okay. name as GG. <laughs> well, thank um, you very much. And we have Grant Gregory, another GG. <laughs> I'm convinced they are the same person. I don't know, though. But thank you, regardless. <laughs> Um, we also have Jeff Knutson. Thank you, Jeff. And we also have John Mariano. Thank you, John. Obviously, we have the great Ken Knapsock. Yes, my faction mate. Thank you, Ken. And we have LK. LK, thank you uh, again with the letters. Um, I wish <laughs> we knew your name. Uh, we have our wonderful friends over at the odd-shaped channel, Tom and Kimber. Thank you, guys. And, of course, Randall Sands. Thanks, Randall. We love you, Thank and we you. love all, all our, of our patrons. We do. They're great <laughs> Thank people. Thank you, guys. Very supportive, and it's nice to support things, and it's nice to know that... It's, I mean, it, it's for a weird thing to say out of my mouth, and it's nice to know that people support 
this show and what we're doing and what we're doing outside of this show and all the things we're doing. It's nice. I like it. Yay. Yay for patrons. (laughs) Yay for everything. It's great. But there we go. I think for today's episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. Uh, It has been episode 96. Like we said, we're getting ever closer to the big three digits. I can't wait. I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud of us that we've got to three digits. I know we haven't got there quite yet. Almost. Almost there. As Tiana once sung in her little... New Orleans restaurant. She's almost there. Um, We are almost there. And we're not stopping there either. So get ready for It's a Wonderful Podcast episode 1000. I mean, I'm not promising that. I'm not promising that. (laughs) But, you know, we're not stopping anywhere. Um, But there we go. We've been talking today about the Defiant Ones from 1958. Stanley Kramer directed, Cindy Poitier, Tony Curtis... And Lon Chaney Jr. Let's give Lon Chaney Jr. third billing because we love him (laughs) and he's great. Um, This is, of course, though, isn't the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. This is only the main show. Janine, what else do we have going on here? Well, we have Machine Mondays with me every Monday, uh, about 20 minute short format podcast where I'm talking all the schmodown things. Uh, this Monday, I will be talking about my big first match of season seven against Mark Riley. So check yes. that out. And we also have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday where me and Morgan, you know, Morgan he hasn't seen things. So I newer things, related- newer things. <laughs> yes. Well, even older things, I think. Older, newer things. <laughs> Maybe 90s things. I think I tend to think a lot of cool. 90s things yeah. for you. Pick the cutoff point um, as 1990, <laughs> and then we're okay. Yes. So I pick a related series of films or a franchise of films that Morgan has missed. We watch and we discuss. So, we do. Yeah, it's always a it's fun time over fun. there every Wednesday. So check that out. It really is. It's even more nonsense than our episodes of the main <laughs> show, which yes. is ridiculous. We are still on our black rom-com series there as well for one extra week. Yes, um, our, bonus, have... our bonus pick will be next week, which is we'll be talking love and basketball to close yes. out our black rom-com series. And a, a teaser for what we're talking about next week on the main show as well. Um, which, if you listen to last week's with me and Nolan, you'll know as well. Uh, Nolan's excited for the new Bond movie. To be honest, wow. after watching the trailer, now I saw the trailer in front of Birds of Prey. First time okay. I'd seen the new Bond trailer. Um, okay. I was going to go and watch it anyway, obviously, because it's a new Bond movie and that's just what you do. But watching that British. trailer... <laughs> well, yes, obviously. Watching that trailer... <laughs> actually made me excited to go and watch yes, it. Yes, right? What a great trailer that was. But ultimately, we're not talking about No Time to Die on the main show. We're going to be talking about Goldfinger on the main show oh, next week. Goldfinger! And yeah. we will get Janine to sing the theme tune, even though she's not even on the main show next week. But uh, we'll we'll get her to sing the Goldfinger theme tune in... In the uh, style of Shirley Bassey. So, yes, most definitely. I love that. Um, that's what we're talking about 
on the main show next week and Morgan hasn't seen always fun machine Mondays always fun as well and you can find the feed on anchor on Apple podcasts on Spotify stitcher castbox uh, Google podcasts whole bunch of other places we are everywhere if we're not there then there's something wrong with that podcasting platform because quite frankly we're everywhere so it's not my fault probably is my fault though to be fair it's <laughs> It's probably all my fault. You can, of course, send us voice messages as well. You can. We love the voice messages. We'll play them on Um, the show. We'll discuss. We We appreciate them very much. We want to hear from you guys, so please. Morgan Morgan hasn't seen is the the, the most active in the voice message uh, area as a show, Um, but we do love getting them, and we uh, thank everybody that sends them in because they make us feel nice, and... We, we, we just love them, and everything is just very much yay when that happens. Um, but you can also find the show on Twitter, and it's a wonderful one. You can find me on Twitter at the Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the because, Ginny. Three is the magic number. Or on Instagram at just the Purple Don. There's no, there's no three, there's no numbers. Instagram's just nice to me, and for some reason, the defunct account for the last 10 years that has been The Purple Don (laughs) on Twitter still exists. So, Twitter, just get rid of it so I can have it. It's not very nice. Janine, you've got a load of wonderful stuff going on. Where can people find you? You can find me at Janine DeBean on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out my artwork or see or get any merch from the shows we just mentioned, you can find it at my tea shop on tpublic.com at G9Design. Of course, check out our Patreon, patreon.com. It's a wonderful one. Awesome stuff. And you can see me on the Schmodown as Janine the Machine. I have a match that's out today. So check it out. It is. Out. On the SCN Schmodown Entertainment Network. Like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Support the Schmodown. Schmodown's great as well. It's great. Great stuff. Wonderful stuff. All round. There we go. There is only one thing left to do, Janine. There's there's two things left to do. Two things? (gasps) Surprise. Shock. So before we say goodbye, just want to say hey to our $10 patrons. We will be... Discussing our uh, favorite odd pairings for you. That's very true. That's our little bonus for our Patreon bonus. So $10 patrons, check out our little bonus discussion on odd pairings as the Defiant Ones was definitely about an odd, reluctant pairing. So yeah, check that out, $10 patrons. And now we can say goodbye. See, Janine's (laughs) just three steps ahead of everyone, especially me in my weird mindset today. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's been fun, though, as it always is. Janine, after your wonderful in- intelligence of actually keeping the show on track and refusing to let me ramble off for several hours about absolutely nothing, please do the honours and count us down. Three, two, one. Bye. Let's get fled! <laughs> <laughs>